It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell. And because it is March 1st, 2021, or March 366th, 2020, however you choose to mark it, we are here to talk with the executive director of Get Us PPE, an organization that was started last year uh, and expected to be wound up really pretty quickly. Uh, Shika Gupta, thank you so much for joining us this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing so well, Darlena and Jess. Thank you so much for having me. And you're correct. I had no <laughs> idea I would be doing this a year later. I want to I want to start at the beginning with you, actually, like how because we talk on the show about sort of, you know, how, how do you activist in your own life? Like, how, how do you use what you have in order to put good in the world? How do you do this without being an elected official? How do you do this without, you know, without somebody having said you, you are the person who will run this thing. Um, and that is basically the story of of Get Us PPE. So I, I'd love to start from the beginning with you and ask you, how did you put this group together when uh, what were you thinking at the time? I love that question. And I think that's so <laughs> important. And that's one of the things that I've taken away from this experience. It really is. You, you shouldn't be waiting for someone to point to you and say, you are the person, you'll fix this. And I think it really starts with not saying no when someone presents an idea to you, being open-minded and looking for the problems that exist in front of you and that affect the people that you care about. Get Us PPE was started last year in March by a group of emergency physicians, and it really started as a hashtag on Twitter, Get Me PPE. And right, it was I remember this. Physicians. Yeah, you remember the photos of physicians yep. and yep. nurses posting pictures of themselves in, like, trash bags, trash bags. and going in. Yeah. And it's, it was such an impactful thing. And we thought we would be around for a couple of weeks. So we pulled together this quick coalition of, frankly, brilliant people. But they were all people who didn't know each other. No one had ever met. It was just mm. a group who said, hey, we can do something about this. And we created this coalition organization. And we said, who do we have on the ground? Who do we have that can work on technology? Who do we have that can be our spokespeople? And who's going to work on our marketing? And we just hit the ground running. And we were really building the plane as we flew it. And our goal was just to get PPE out to whoever needed it. And we thought we'd be around for a couple of weeks until somebody in the government or somebody better positioned than us could take this project on. But instead, what was happening in the government, which we've talked about on the show many, many times before, was that Jared Kushner was in charge. And he had a team of interns who were cold emailing people. <laughs> So well, you guys were from their Gmails. Yes, from their Gmails. So you, you were waiting for the cavalry. <laughs> exactly. And the cavalry was a bunch of 20-year-olds in khakis who didn't know a damn thing about how to get PPE where it was needed. <laughs> so the people, totally. the people who yes. got told, hey, you're in charge, were actually the wrong people entirely. <laughs> and, you exactly. guys, and you guys managed to do it. So what, what was the situation like when you started, and has it gotten better? So... 
it's different now. But the situation when we started was that no one could access PPE, no matter how much money you had or what type of hospital you were working at. It was such a universal problem and really required all hands on deck to find a solution. And we found that equity wasn't as much of a concern early on in the process because no one had anything. Um, so our mission was just to get PPE to whoever needed it. But over time, what we found was the PPE crisis has really unearthed a lot of foundational cracks in the healthcare system that have been around, you know, since the dawn of time, but they've become so much more obvious now. And it's, you know, I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear that it's a question of the haves versus the have-nots. And the people who are more impacted by the effects of COVID, communities of color, people who don't come from these really well-known hospitals, they're the ones who are still struggling to get the PPE they need. So although the government may talk about it like the problem is pretty much fixed, we're still getting thousands of requests for PPE coming into our database, and we're still seeing wow. plenty of need on the ground. So one of my questions is always, how is this supposed to work? Yeah. So in your um, in your work, you saw a need and you decided to to step in um, to to meet the needs of people in an emergency. But in your in the course of your work, have you have you gleaned sort of how it is supposed to happen uh, through the government and how far we are from that ideal situation? Like, are we anywhere near what this is supposed to look like in terms of? Uh, the government in some sort of organized fashion distributing emergency protective equipment to people in the middle of a pandemic. Like how is it supposed to work and how far away are we from how it's supposed to look? <laughs> that's a really, uh, that's a good question. And I think it's a good place to start actually. It's where should the government be stepping in and how should that process look? And we know that for a lot of natural disasters and things that happen in this country, uh, organizations like FEMA will step in and they're government organizations. And their goal is to distribute limited aid in a way that makes sense. And this is one of those situations. What we noticed, though, was that although the government had some idea of who needed PPE, they were really just looking at hospitals and at nursing homes. And they were leaving this massive group of people who also needed protection completely out of the equation. So when they did their calculations for how much do we need in the strategic national stockpile and how far off base are we in terms of having N95 masks available, they weren't taking into account teachers and small clinics Oof. and homeless shelters and community organizations and faith-based organizations. So you can imagine that they really had their work cut out for them, especially as the Biden administration walked into the White House and realized that they didn't have half of the data that they needed to make this distribution equitable, which is at the center of what we do. Um, and so a lot of these healthcare groups are able to get what they need at this point because they have the buying power, but the smaller facilities still can't. And that's really where the problem lies. I suppose that shouldn't be as as surprising as it is that that equitable is the is the watchword that we need right now. Like that, that's the one that we're still having a hard time with. Are you talking to the Biden administration now? Like, have they reached out and been like, "Hey, thanks for for that"? <laughs> um, perhaps not in so many words, but yes, we are. We do Good. have a few touch points with the Biden administration. Um, 
get us PPE is extremely data-driven, so we've been collecting data about PPE needs across the country since day one. Um, and the and they want those things. Like, they want that data. Like, we have an administration that actually wants to get the thing done, right? That's what I'm asking. Totally, which is super <laughs> refreshing. <Yes. laughs> I mean, that... That's a change. That's a change. Yes. That's, like, a huge step forward for us. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Biden team has used our our data in their planning. So we've seen our maps show up, and we know that they're reading what we're sending them. We have the ability to touch base with their coronavirus team and, and hopefully provide some counsel about the way that we're collecting data and the ways that we've created an algorithm that really focuses on equity. And it's just such a joy to have an administration in power who knows what equity means. I think that's really step one. Yeah. Oh, well, it's funny because equity came up last week um, at the uh, hearings off topic, but related um, for the attorney general. And it was a, uh, sort of used as a bad word, which I find funny, because um, it was yeah. like equity, you know, like <laughs> said like it was like this like foreign word, right. not equality. Socialism. What is this? What is this <laughs> equity business? I mean, it was it basically just you're right. It was sort of said as it was as if it was a stand in for socialism yep. um, in terms of, you know, how where we go from here. Obviously, masks are going to be needed even longer than we probably anticipated. So the PPE is like, it's still going to be needed mm, right? beyond, you know, when most of us have a vaccine even because in hospitals and healthcare facilities, they're still going to need this stuff. Is there a planning? Like, I mean, I, I would hope that you don't have to do this for the rest of time, <laughs> but I, <laughs> is there some sort of like plan for a long-term PPE strategy. I mean, obviously, this is a crisis and we're in the middle of it, but it's almost hopefully over once we get, you know, all these folks vaccinated now that J&J has been approved for emergency use. Um, it feels like the light is there. We see the light at the end of the tunnel, but the PPE feels like a longer, like nurses and doctors and healthcare, care, they're still going to need PPE in the hospital. Um, what is the long term planning look like? So there is, that's starting to be something that's talked about. What is the long-term plan? How will we make sure that anyone who needs PPE has access to it, including the general public? And part of the process and making sure we have enough supply is building up domestic manufacturing. So we know that there are places that are able to produce N95 masks, for example, but hospitals aren't buying them because they're not familiar with them. And hospitals and hospital buyers are creatures of habit. If they're going to buy something for their staff and for their doctors, they want to know that it's something that's been tried and tested. So the good thing is, as the country starts to have enough supply for everyone who needs it on the frontline worker side, N95 masks could eventually become available to the public too. And it's our job to make sure that the government's clear on how much supply we would need in the country um, and hopefully they'll take it from there and then build up the domestic manufacturing around the country to get that supply up to where it needs to be. And I think part of this is also making sure that if this happens again in the future, which all signs point to an increased likelihood of natural disasters continuing to occur at a fast paced rate and pandemics and everything else as we globalize more, we need to be better prepared. We cannot find ourselves in this situation again next time where we're sending healthcare workers and frontline workers 
into work every day, not knowing if they're going to bring a deadly disease back home to their parents and family and friends. That's absolutely absurd. So the reliance that we have currently on foreign manufacturing of a critical supply like this, it's really not going to cut it. And we need to find a backup solution. And whether that's a combination of stockpiling when it's safe to do so and domestic manufacturing or something else remains to be seen. But what we know for sure is that we just simply cannot find ourselves in the same situation again next time this comes around. No, I mean, and I guess the the only way... The only way to prevent it is to do the work now, but that doesn't, I mean, the Obama administration did that work and passed a pandemic plan to the next administration who ignored it. So even if we do all of the work now, if the next administration decides to chuck it out the window, we're going to be right back to square one. And hopefully um, there are other folks like you out there who are going to do it this time. So it, it is... What's the what is the long term plan for Get Us PPE at this point? Like, are you are you intending to be an entity that that exists in perpetuity? Like, do we do? Are you are you hoping that you will put yourselves out of business at some point? <laughs> <laughs> We're hoping that we'll put ourselves out of business as it relates to the PPE for the current pandemic. Um, but we're having these conversations internally. We just have this group of brilliant people <clears throat> who have come together to do such incredible work. And we want to make sure that not only do we have the institutional knowledge carefully recorded so that should this happen again, right. if get us people you need to stand up in the future, we'll, we'll be ready to do so. But I think we're also thinking about what types of future crises can we apply our technology to and the thinking that this group has done and all of the legwork we've done to iron out the many, many roadblocks that we encountered along the way. And for things like vaccine rollouts and figuring out how to distribute water if there is a drought somewhere or how to get supplies out if fires take place again in California, which we know they will. And I think what we're looking at from the Get Us PPE perspective is there's a better, more equitable way to do distribution of scarce resources. And mm. that's a problem that applies all over the world. So we're looking at how we can scale the technology and the knowledge that we've developed over the past year and make it applicable and shareable on a much larger scale. I think this is like my favorite thing that doctors and scientists do when a crisis, like, and, I, and I've just become aware of it in the last year reading about how different factions approached the pandemic was that like when a crisis happens, they're like, okay, I have this. How can we tweak this to be used for this crisis? And it's like, wow. My brain doesn't work that way at all. But I love that the people the, the people who were working on Zika were like, ooh, hey, we built a dashboard. And that dashboard tracks in real time all of the data that you need to manage a pandemic. Let's figure out how to tweak it and use it for COVID. And you're like, yes, that's what we need. So I love the idea that like you can tweak the Get Us PPE model to work for wildfires and other resource scarcity problems that we have. That's just gorgeous. Um, you were named one of the Time 100 because of this incredible work that you've done over the last year. Was that a, a little surreal? Oh, it's still totally surreal. I woke up that day thinking, surely there's someone else with the same name that they meant to include <laughs> on this list and not me. Um, it's totally surreal and uh, such an incredible honor. I mean, the people on that list are amazing and have done such great work over the past year and even before that. And so it's, I'm incredibly flattered and honored to even be on the list, period. 
Yeah. And you got more than 6.5 million pieces of PPE to frontline workers. That seems like pretty (laughs) incredible work. But I uh, like the piece of the piece of the work that I'm I'm obsessed with is is the realization that you could fix a thing and then you went and did it. Like that is that is like if we had if if everybody understood their power in that way, um, we could have a really, really dynamic democracy. (laughs) I could not agree more. And I think one of the things we talk about a lot, there are a lot of young women who are either working as staff for the organization or spend a lot of their time volunteering with the organization. And we have this conversation every two weeks called Women at Get Us PPE. And the topics that we discuss are just so important and they're so applicable to everybody across the board. And one of the things we talk about so much is imposter syndrome and all the negative and positive connotations that come with it and all the weight that that phrase carries. But ignoring sort of the, the weight that it puts on women in particular, I think there is this sense that, oh, someone else should be doing this and not me. I'm not the right person for that job. But really, at the end of the day, the right person for the job is the person who steps up to take the lead. And you can develop a system, you can bring in help, you can find other resources to make sure that you're that you shine in that role. But there is no rule book that says who should have what role. And in my mind, and especially over the past year, what I've learned is the right person for the job is the person who's willing to take the risk and take the leap and cross the chasm to step to the other side. And if that's you, then people will step up behind you and help you. They will line up to be the, be in your corner. And so what I've learned, especially as a young woman of color leading this giant organization, that's really, in some ways, a technology startup, is yeah. that there is no right person for a role. So take the leap. Do that. it. Go for it. <laughs> well, particularly yeah. because, like, there's so, there's so many problems, like, there because... I, I want people at home, I always do this riff, like, you know, there there are so many things to fix. Like, what's important is that you aim your talent at a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just aim it at it um, and, and try to do, in your small little world, like, in your small part of the world, not your, because you're not small, but I'm just saying, <laughs> like, in your small little part of what, what is a very large world with a lot of problems, if you aim your talents you know, intentionally at, at a part of a problem, like you'll have an impact. And then that compounds if everybody decides to sort of use their talents um, in the right way. And I just think that like, that's cool. That's, that's, that's yeah. the cool thing about life. Um, yeah. And, and sort of waking up knowing that you're going to leave a legacy and an impact. Um, like who doesn't want to yeah. be a part of that, you know? <laughs> totally. And we always say internally that, you know, PPE is not the sexiest thing that we could be pushing, but it's so important and it's moved the needle in so many ways. And ultimately it saved so many lives for us to be doing this work. And it's so true, you know, pick up what's in front of you and let the problem that's closest to you be the one that you focus on. You don't need to save the world all in one fell swoop. Maybe you will one day, but start with the problem that's right in front of you and I suspect that for so many of our incredible volunteers across the country and even the world, this working for this organization is going to open up their eyes to other problems that are right in front of them. And I hope that it spurs this wave of creativity and leadership as we look to all the other problems that are coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I guess that was that was a question that I wanted to ask is, is what's next for you? 
I mean, you're a doctor. So, you have another job. You have a whole <laughs> other thing, important job. <laughs> where, where do you go from here? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I think that's the question that I get asked probably most often at this point. And right now, Get Us PPE still has so much runway in front of it. And one of the things that I really try to do is focus on the thing that I am immersed in. And I am reticent to look up and look to the next thing until I've seen this one through. So I want to make sure that we have squeezed all of the juice out of what we need to do at Get Us PPE. And we still have, you know, tens of thousands of requests for PPE in our database. So until we can get everybody what they need, until we don't have any other requests coming in, my job is to focus on the task at hand and to make sure that my group um, and my team has the leadership and the support and the funds coming in that they need. Um, so that's that's where I'm focused. And then as for what comes after that, I do think that the world is my and everyone else's oyster within the organization. We've built so many relationships and connections with like-minded people who want to make the world a better place. And the opportunities are everywhere. Did I ever think as I was going through medical school that this is where (laughs) I would be? Absolutely not. But I think that's one of the joys about life and the way that you know, education can take you really anywhere. You don't need to do the prescribed thing that your your degree suggests that you should do. You can take that education and knowledge and apply it in so many different ways. And this is a unique role because being a physician has helped me uniquely understand why this is an important thing to do and what it's like right. to go into a patient's room without the equipment that you need. Right. So, I think there are a lot of niche things like that where you really would need a physician to have this non-medical role or a lawyer to have this non-legal role. So I always encourage people to think outside the box and and not let society or your academic institution's expectations of what you should do next rein you in and really, you know, let your let your power show and choose your own path. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's such good advice especially as like we get into this odd period of adulthood where we thought everything was going to be prescribed and it turns out it's uh it's all still a real open path <laughs> like you're you're figuring it out as you as you go along um well after totally. you and like you would big, have it yeah and the big secret is everyone else is figuring it out as they yep. go along too yes. no one knows what they're doing so that's the title of my book I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write a book with that exact title. No one knows. What no one doing. else knows what they're doing. <laughs> yes. Well, hit me up. Such a liberating thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I will be in touch. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Good. And so, I mean, forging your own path in a place where no one knows what they're doing is not that hard because it's especially if you're creating a new one. So just step out there and make it happen. Dr. Yes. Shika Gupta, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Also for starting Get Us PPE. That saved a lot of lives, and uh, we appreciate you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.